Five Year Mission, the podcast, episode 54. By now, you figured out that this is the Five Year Mission podcast. To every story, there is a beginning. And for Five Year Mission, the beginning was as inauspicious as can be imagined. It was never meant to be anything special. And yet, what was to follow took on a life of its own, quite by surprise. And here we are today. But none of it would have happened without that initial spark, that idea. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five Year Mission. I am your host, Chris Spurgeon. And even those words, words we say each episode wouldn't exist without that first inclination to do something a little different. And speaking of something a little different, this episode, I'll be interviewing a very special guest. You know him, you love him, the founder of the band Five Year Mission, my bandmates and friend, Mike Rittenhouse. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, man. I've been thinking about this all week. Uh, I could not wait until today for this interview. Uh, I am stoked. Let's do it. I'm glad you're so excited. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is this is the first time our listeners have heard from you in this format. So uh, it's it's a it's a it's exciting. It's a it's a first time thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm not a huge fan of being the only one in the spotlight. So <laughs> even though it's just the two of us, this is still a little awkward. And and, and yet I'm standing literally in a spotlight. <laughs> yes. Mike's Zoom window is he looks like General Zod being sentenced in Superman. Or no, that wasn't General Zod. It was one of the it was the uh, jur jury members. Jorel. Jor oh yeah, I guess it was Jorel, wasn't it? Well, at any rate, Mike's in the spotlight, literally and figuratively tonight. <laughs> this episode, I suppose. So let's just get down to it, shall we? So Mike's the founder. He's the one that started it. His his idea is what spawned this whole thing. But let's go back. Let's go back to little Mike, when Mike was <laughs> first conceived. I mean, not quite that far back, but what are your first memories of music? I mean, where did it all start? My first memories of music, um, I have a lot of music memories from when I was a very small kid. Uh, my dad had a band and they would practice at our house in our living room. And and this was regularly, like weekly, maybe a couple times a week. So uh, mm -hmm. I grew up with, you know, in, in like the the band life kind of. So this is back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, I, and they, they were a country band. I mean, they played they, they played some oldies, like rock music, stuff like that, uh, but it was very much like a 70s country band. Uh, in fact, they even had a single. Uh, the band was called Jim Rittenhouse and the Hard Times Band, uh, <laughs> and my dad, of course, was the leader of the band. And uh, they had a single called Hard Times that my dad wrote, uh, which was oh. actually played on the radio. And um, cool. they even once were uh, scheduled to perform on Hee Haw. But... <laughs> uh, really? Fate, yeah. See, I didn't know that. 
Uh, I didn't. I knew that you. I knew that your dad was in a band when you were growing up, but I had no idea that it was that sort of thing that they were actually kind of known a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was like a national thing or anything, but they were definitely like locally known. They played a lot of the places around the area uh, where we lived and the surrounding towns. Um, they had the uh, a lot of this. I mean, I was very young. I was like four, five, six, seven years old. Yeah, so right. uh, my memory could be very askew. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I recall them playing a lot. I think they had a regular gig at a place uh, that they would play like weekly or uh, maybe once a month or something. Um, and, of course, they... Uh, they didn't really tour around, but, uh, but they played a lot. Um, did you ever get in there and, you know, Hey dad, can I play the tambourine or something? <laughs> well, I, I was always running through, uh, causing a ruckus. Uh, I mean, I, I was very crazy. You know, it, it's, it's weird to imagine this cause I know I'm so, you guys like to call me a gargoyle, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm so quiet and, and everything now, but when I was a kid, I was very unhinged. Uh, <laughs> I can't, and, I can't see that. I just imagine you as just, you know, the kids <clears throat> sitting in the corner going, Hey, you know, no, I was chilling in the corner. I was the kid running through the house in my underwear and throwing toys and yelling mm -hmm. and I, I was nuts. Uh, I most certainly had ADHD. Um, of course, in, I mean in the eighties that was called spaz. Yes, I, yes, I was I was call. a spaz yeah. for sure. Uh, so so yeah, um, I I grew up with a lot of uh, music around me. Of course, my I had two older sisters, and and uh, one of them was ten years older than me. The other one was about six years older than me, and. Uh, they, they listened to all kinds of music from the seventies and eighties. And so I, I, I heard a lot of music from them and a lot from my parents. My mom liked the oldies. My dad listened to country. So I, I was very exposed to a lot of different kinds of music. So it was very musical for me growing up as a kid. Yes. With all this, the music influences that you were, that you had coming at you, did you gravitate towards, I mean, early on, did you gravitate, what did you gravitate towards as far as music, uh, you know, genre, I guess? The first music that I ever owned, like, you know, I had like cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they were all movie soundtracks. Like, okay. What uh, was, I, can you remember any I, of them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had Ghostbusters. I had Back uh. to the Future. Um, I had uh, Young Einstein. Yeah. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of those soundtracks. Um, and I, I didn't have a lot of actual like albums or anything like that until I was a little older. I was a little, uh, I, I was a bit of a late developer. Uh, I, With music. Uh, yeah. As far as just in general. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, the other kids were all getting into, sports and girls and stuff and i was still playing with my ninja turtles so <laughs> you know it, i was a little behind everyone <laughs> so when did you first start thinking hey i kind of like music what uh you know maybe i should pick up an instrument and try this out well uh, 
with my with my dad being the musician he was mm-hmm. of of course he tried to introduce it to me um i think i was 12 when he gave me my my first guitar which was a it was a a harmony like the the harmony like a sunbursts harmony guitar with had the little yeah. plastic toggles and uh yeah. it you know sounded terrible and didn't stay in tune and uh but uh that was my first guitar and I didn't really learn anything on that guitar I had it <laughs> probably 6 months to a year I would yeah and and I had like a little amplifier so I would yeah. plug it into the amplifier and just make noise I mean my dad tried to show me chords but it it didn't take like I was not interested in learning the the old bogey country chords that he was trying to show me it's like like you know a and g so just like <laughs> smack on the guitar and sing ghostbusters uh no i mean by this point i was interested in in rock music uh okay so yeah i was probably about 12 or 13 i was starting to get into stuff like uh glam rock and metal and stuff like that um a lot of it was my neighbor was also into music and guitars and we kind of gravitated towards each other. He was, a, he was a year younger than me, but you know, we kind of hung out and did a lot of stuff and we, every other week we started a new band. There was just the two of us. <laughs> uh, so at this point, did you, was this still with your harmony guitar or was it, did you have something well, new? Yeah, I had that for, uh, like I said, uh, for about a year and I I learned uh so I learned how to play power chords. Uh okay. my, my dad showed me that and that did take. Um so I learned how to play stuff like Iron Man, Smoke on the Water, <laughs> you know, all all the yeah. ones you always hear everyone playing at the music stores. Um uh-huh. so I, I learned those and uh once I actually was truly interested in playing and learning. I really got in, of course, as as you and everybody probably knows, I really got into Motley Crue. Yeah. Uh, so this is around uh, 1989. So I was okay. 13. So, uh, and Dr. Feelgood came out and the song Kickstart My Heart. <laughs> and uh, they opened the song with, with uh, he plays the guitar strings and uses the whammy bar and it sounds like a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my I, my dad heard me playing it all the time. Like I was always in my room listening to it. So he was like, you know how to do that, right? With a, with a whammy bar. And and I was like, uh, no. And then of course we didn't have a whammy bar. So he, he could tell that I really wanted to learn how to do that. So you don't have a lot of whammy bars in country music. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so, so I got my, my first, what I'll say real guitar, mm-hmm. which was a, a Westone guitar. Okay. Um, that guitar, it was, it was uh cherry red and it, it had uh, like several pickups and real toggle switches. And right. of course it had a whammy bar. Whammy bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, all, the ever essential whammy bar. Yeah. So I got that guitar. I learned how to play the thing from Kickstart My Heart, which I played all day long. I'm sure I really, I think my dad probably regretted getting me that. <laughs> and so I had that guitar for about one or two years and I learned a lot of stuff on that guitar. I learned actual chords. 
uh, I started, I, you know, the first chord I ever learned was G. I remember that. Like, that's the first one. Good chord. It's the first one that stuck. You know, yeah. I, I had a chord chart. Not as was, easy as E, but yeah. it's a good chord. Well, I was playing around with the chords, and, you know, I, I would, like, put my fingers on there and, you know, try and play a chord. And when I did the G, I noticed it sounded exactly like shelter me from cinderella okay uh that song opens up with the g chord and they're just playing it and i, I play that g chord and i'm like oh my god that's that chord <laughs> <laughs> and so like i just played that chord all day long i'm like yeah i sound just <laughs> like cinderella <laughs> and so then i started learning more chords after that uh you know within the next few months or that next year i pretty much learned like all the regular chords so yeah, my dad got me my first acoustic guitar, which was an Alvarez. Uh, I was probably 13 or 14. And, uh, you know, then I started learning a bunch of stuff on that. Started playing around with, I really got into Randy Rhodes, uh, the guitarist okay. from you know Ozzy Osbourne's first two albums. And uh, he used to be yep. quite right yeah. before that. And uh, on Ozzy's first <laughs> album, there's, listening. there's a classical piece that he wrote called D. Um, it's really pretty. It's a really pretty thing. It, 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 it makes no sense and it's completely out of place on an Ozzy Osbourne album, but, <laughs> but it's very beautiful. And so I, I learned how to play that, uh, which I can still play to this day. Now, uh, were these these songs that you were learning, this is all self-taught, right? Yes. You're okay, just so, playing so, by ear? Yeah, so I should go back. Um, no, not, not, not technically by ear on some of them. A lot of them I would get guitar magazines and learn the tab. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I, um, so I, sh I, I should step back for a second. Yeah. This um, was before, this was before easy access to guitar tabs on the internet, kids. Yes. This yes. This was back when you had to go to the store and get One, guitar magazines. Once a month, Guitar World would come out. Yeah. Right. And there would be like two or three songs transcribed in it. And if you're yeah. lucky, they were songs that you wanted to learn. Well, and they were usually songs of, you know, popular songs at the time. You'd have like a couple popular ones and then a rant, like a B-side. <laughs> and you could go yeah. out and get a, a guitar magazine, a Guitar World magazine. And there were a couple other guitar magazines. But I, as I recall, Guitar World was usually had the best stuff in it. Yeah. Guitar World was usually the best. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's go back just a little bit before I learned chords. Uh, my, my dad took me to a music teacher, a guitar teacher who, uh, tried to teach me how to play and yeah. I was not interested <laughs> and he was trying to show me chords and I just couldn't do it. And I think I learned like two or three chords and played them with him, but all, all those sessions ended up being was me like going back and forth between like C and F and him playing these cheesy leads over it. <laughs> and, and after, after like a, a month or two of that, he told me, he, he was like, look, you're not really learning anything. And I feel like, you know, you're wasting your, your time and your money. And then he told me to try to go learn stuff on my own. And then if I got to a point where I wanted to truly learn, I could come back or whatever, uh, which yeah. that never happened. So, so that he was like this old guy. Uh, 
who my dad knew that worked at like a music store that was my dad was friends with the guy who owned it. Uh, so then there was this guy who was friends with my sister, uh, who, okay. He was, he was like a, a guitar virtuoso, uh, at least as far as our small town was concerned. Like he yeah. could play like the Van Halen stuff, you know, like he was, he, he was pretty All good. Right. And, and he had like long hair. He was my sister's age. Like, so, then my parents they 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 took me to some lessons with him and like the same thing happened like i was more interested in decorating my guitar putting <laughs> stickers on it and stuff than actually learning anything and yeah he, he got frustrated with me also <laughs> he was like look man you you're not you're just not going to learn this stuff so you know we should just stop doing this so man two teachers down i know you're a hard student uh, so it, it ended up being me teaching myself. Um, okay. so pretty much everything I know today w with the exception of a few little things, I, I learned myself. I just taught myself by listening and playing and, and, uh, looking at guitar magazines. So, uh, I mean, it sounds like, um, the metal and that sort of thing were your first real musical influences, the ones that you were first passionate about yeah i i really got into like i said motley crew uh later i got into guns and roses and a lot of bands in those it, it, like in that genre like you know like those kinds of bands but i liked the other music too uh and my mom got me into the beatles okay and i so when I was about 15, I just deep dove into the Beatles. Uh, like <laughs> it's a deep dive. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of area to cover there. My mom got me uh, for Christmas. I got their entire catalog on cassette. Um, wow, it, yeah, that's a lot of cassettes. It is. It was like <laughs> it, it was like 13 cassettes or something. It's like every yeah. album. Uh, and I, if I tore into that and I listened to every single one of them, like beginning to end over and over. And I was pretty obsessed with Beatles for like the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, of course, even to today, I still love the Beatles, but at that time I, I mean, I got huge into it. So that also helped a lot with me learning songs because their songs were not quite as hard to learn as say like Iron Maiden. Yeah. So th their songs, it was a lot of like just chords and stuff. So I could actually play them. And yeah. then I, you know, I would learn how to play the chords and then I would learn how to play like the little guitar licks that like George Harrison was mm -hmm. doing. And yeah. that that started teaching me how to do more with my guitar than just play along. I started learning like harmony parts and, and leads and, and just different ways to approach it. And with the Beatles, I mean, as you know, they, I mean, they went at it from all different angles. So I was learning right. all different styles and ways of, of playing and doing music. When you were learning all this stuff, did you have anybody, you know, I mean, did you have a, a, a Paul to your John, you know, when you were learning how to play yeah. through the Beatles? Actually, that's a very good question. So the neighbor that I mentioned earlier, uh, he yeah. al he also so his, his dad just bought him like all kinds of stuff, right? 
So yeah. I remember my dad got me like that Westone. And and then so like not long after that, suddenly his dad got him like the the studio Les Paul with the Marshall full stack. <laughs> and you know, like yeah. he had like everything, like 50 pedals. So yeah, he was the kid with the Millennium Falcon and the Adat <laughs> and yep. the Ewok Village. Yep, and and, and, and the Death Star and the yeah. GI Joe aircraft carrier. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he was he was that kid for sure. Okay, okay. Uh, and so you know his dad got him all that stuff, and and then he he learned like he learned a few songs, but he like I was I was learning all these Beatles songs and how to play like all this different stuff, and he was still playing like the iron man and smoke on the water stuff like yeah uh now i i i'm pretty sure later you know to to give him credit later on like a couple of years later he actually learned and got fairly good at playing guitar but at that time you know i i was far ahead of him yeah so he was not my george or my my paul Kid. So uh, to answer that, the other question, though, I did have a Paul to my John, which okay. uh, his, his name was Tony Lucas. Uh-huh. And uh, he was a grade ahead of me in, in school. And uh, there was another kid at school named TJ Collins. We were all guitar players. And uh, TJ was probably the best one a, a guitar player out of us. Okay. And uh, we all started playing together and like forming our own bands and stuff. And I learned a lot from those guys, but eventually TJ kind of went off and did his own thing. And Tony and I stuck together and kind of became like a John and Paul, like we were writing songs and we were, we were both like writing and singing our own songs and we would like play off of each other and like learn harmonies Mm-hmm. And uh, and like he would play lead on my songs, I would play lead on his songs. Uh, so it was definitely like a a partnership. And uh, actually, I ended up playing in bands with him uh, for about ten years. So at what point did you start? Did you move from just a couple guys playing guitar to getting into a full band? Uh, I was about fifteen. And there were several kids at the school that were into music. And so it wasn't that hard to find three guys who all like wanted to play instruments and, and form a band. And there were a few, uh, I'm going to say decent drummers (laughs) for high school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, they weren't, they weren't uh, virtuosos by any means, but they, they could play a beat. So we, so we 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 went we ran through several different people who would just like come over and jam and a few a few would stick for a while and but uh that was definitely where I learned how to just like jam with other guys and not just along with a song on the radio. Did um, you do you remember what your first band name was? Oh man. Or maybe it'll be easier to. What's the first band name that you remember? So the 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 first band name that I remember that was an actual band that consisted of more than just a couple of guitar players. Yeah, uh, we had a drummer, uh, so I would call it a real band. We were we called it Mister Yuck. Oh, you know what? You I remember you talking about Mister Yuck. I, I, I may have mentioned that, uh, and and then that. 
that didn't last long, of course. I mean, we played a bunch of cover songs. It's a great name, though. I mean, it, for anybody who doesn't know, when Mike and I were growing up, we Mr. Yuck was basically, uh, you know, you'd stick these stickers on uh, chemical bottles. Hazard, ha- hazardous items yeah. that you didn't want that you you know the kids weren't supposed to drink the bleach or something and you would right. slap a mr yuck sticker on there it, and there was like a emergency phone number on there too yeah right? yeah it had and a, they were green yep and it just had like a it was it like a, a face with had a, a tongue face sticking out with, or with, a, with like a frown and a tongue sticking out and we, yeah we, we yeah. took we took the the frown and turned it upside down so that it was like a smile <laughs> with the tongue sticking out but it was the exact same thing Perfect. uh so that it. I don't know. I remember how long that band lasted. These, all of these bands were like different versions of the same group yeah. of people with like one different guy. Uh, so the, <laughs> the, the first band I remember having, which ended up being like what I would call, I, I, I would consider it my first true real band. You know, we, we okay. actually played a couple parties. We had our own original songs. Uh, we played a lot of cover songs. Uh, that band was called river of pain. Ooh, we we uh-huh. we called it that <laughs> after <laughs> i know yes that uh, deserves a good a good hearty chuckle we we called it that after a song that tony wrote called river of pain okay and this is the same tony as in tony and tj right yes okay yeah, yeah okay. The, the the paul to my john um yeah right so uh yeah we that and that was the first band where i actually sang a song in front of an audience uh and like a song that i wrote yeah how'd it go the song yeah like 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 what 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 you asked me what the words were no 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 no. (laughs) what was (laughs) when you played it for the first time what was the reception did people dig it or was it like you know like some of the shows we play where you play and you get done and you, know, you hear it's, like it's, one guy in the back it's, kind it's of funny. clapping. Uh, uh, I have to be honest. I don't remember. Yeah. I, okay. I was, I was so terrified and had so much stage fright that I don't, yeah. I don't remember anything beyond that microphone. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know why, how, how people took it. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> so, so now, now you're, you know, kind of playing out and and seeing what it's like did you ever when you were younger did you ever have aspirations that extended beyond just playing house parties where you thought you know what i i could do this this is what i want to do like i want to be a musician uh absolutely um i mean from from the from the point of being like 13 and and watching music videos and watching MTV with my, with the neighbor kid and uh, listening to, you know, listening to the Motley Crue albums. And and back then bands would put out like home videos of them just like hanging out. And, and uh, and we, we watched all of them, you know, we watched like the, the Motley Crue one, the Skid Row one, you know, there's like a poison one, you know, like, and we would just like watch those and just daydream about being on the road on tour and playing stadiums (laughs) and fans and, you know, so yeah, absolutely. uh, You know, I, I didn't want to just play in a garage or like the school talent show, you know, I, yeah, my my ultimate dream and ambition was to 
have like you know a number one song on the radio or or yeah. whatever you know now prior to five-year mission would you say that little voice was probably the most successful active band you were in or, or were, the, were there any others yes so uh after river of pain we finally broke up we were we played together for like two years uh mm-hmm. tony and i stuck together and kept writing songs and then we formed another band with some guys from Lafayette called um, My Insanity. Okay. And uh, and of, of course, uh, River of Pain, we actually recorded like, uh, you know, like songs and, and like made our own little cassette tape, like recording them. Yeah. But, the demo uh, tapes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, oh, and you know, I, I didn't, um, I, I should probably go back. River of Pain and then My Insanity, were these metal bands? Kind of, kind of hard rock. I I was starting to lean away from the metal. Tony was very okay. metal. A lot of his stuff was metal. Uh, well, the, he, the band names are kind of metal. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but I was because of the Beatles and because I listened to a lot of punk music. My okay. music was starting to lean more towards that kind of writing style. Okay, uh, which it's kind of my style still today, honestly, yeah. like a lot of it is falls into those categories. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my insanity, we actually, uh, went into a studio and recorded an album. Okay. Um, which was never mixed. So I have like the rough mix off the board. <laughs> uh, and many times over the years, I've tried to contact the guy to see if he has the tape still, but right. You know, after 30 years, um, you know, there's no, <laughs> no yeah. chance. Uh, but that band, we were together for a couple of years and I, I really learned a lot of, I mean, I really honed my guitar skills in that band. Um, okay. We, that was a, that was a band that uh, we would hang out at the drummer's house in Lafayette and we literally got together and practiced every day. We, cause all of us, we were, we were, you know, I was, I was 20 years old. Yeah. And Tony was 21. The drummer was 22. We had a bass player that was like 25 and yep. drummer and bass player both lived at the house. And Tony and I would go there every day and we would play like 30 through like 30 songs that we, we worked on all the time, like every night. So we, yeah. we, we were tight. I mean, that band was solid. Like as far as, you know, knowing what we were, what we were doing. I remember those days, you know, early twenties, not really a whole lot of responsibilities going and, you know, hitting the, the studio yeah. <laughs> in the evening and just playing as long as you could every night. The, there was, there was some drama between the bass player and the drummer and the drummer was kind of on and off some drugs and everything. So that okay. band, that band kind of fell apart eventually. And uh, uh, a little bit like six months or a year went by. And then uh, Tony and I got back together and then we ran into the drummer and he was clean. So we got back together with him. And then uh, a buddy of mine that I was working with, his name was Alan. Yeah. And um, he's still a friend of mine. He lives in Lafayette. And uh, the next band we started was called Broken Up. It was. The, I've, yeah, I've heard you talk about that one. Yep. It was the same band as My Insanity with a different bass player and a, <laughs> and a different name. Okay. Uh, and we played a lot of the same songs, but... Uh, but now we called ourselves broken up and it was kind of a joke on the fact that we had broke up already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that band, we actually went into the studio and recorded 
uh, again and a much better version of a lot of the stuff that we had already recorded. Okay. Um, then uh, that band was together for two or three years, and uh, that's when uh, that's when I met uh, Little Voice. Okay. And we were playing shows with them. Uh, we played so Little shows. Voice was a band before you were in it. Yes. So oh, okay. uh, for for anyone listening who doesn't know, I used to be in a band called Little Voice with my ex wife Erica, uh, and the drummer in the band's name was Lori. And when I met them, uh, it was just Erica and Lori. Uh, they actually had a guitar player, but he was kind of in and out of the band. Oh, and, okay. and I saw an opportunity. I was like, because I liked the music that they were playing a lot. Uh, on some levels, I liked it a lot better than what I was doing with my own band. Yeah, it was definitely a unique sound. What The, the sound that Little Voice had before you were in it, did it change at all when you were in it? It, it did. I, I added a bit of a bit more of a rock element to the band. Okay. okay. Uh, it was very acoustic-y, like Lisa Loeb kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, before I joined. Okay. Um, I mean, the Erica was very into like classic rock and stuff like that, but the stuff she was writing and the way she was playing was very, uh, like, folk folky. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, they had a couple of different guitarists that were kind of in and out of their band. And I was around all the time because Erica and I were, were starting to see each other and hang out. And our bands played together a lot. So I actually learned several of their songs just by watching them play. Okay. And so one one day they needed a guitar player for a show. And I said, hey, I'll do it. And I, I uh, joined them on stage and played like half of the set with them. And then uh, after that, I was just in the band. And uh, so uh, we were in that band for about six years, I think. And that band didn't have a bass player. No, it it was just Lori, Erica, and myself. Except for me. <laughs> yeah. Except for me at one show. <laughs> uh, it was it was just the three of us, and sometimes Erica or I would play bass, depending yeah, on what okay. the song was. And sometimes we just didn't have bass; it was just two guitars. Um, yeah. It, yeah, we we definitely that that was the first band where I was like swapping instruments around. Yeah, uh, because I uh, I guess I uh, I skipped over a little bit uh, earlier. I don't just play guitar. Uh, I mean, I also play bass, which is kind of I mean that's not really a big stretch for yeah. someone playing guitar. But I also play some some piano keyboard, which I I learned a lot of that kind of stuff in high school. Uh, I'd go in the choir room and goof around on the piano in there. And the, the, the teacher would always pop his head out and be like, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I, when I would start playing something too much and it would start annoying yeah. him. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I also play drums. Uh, I mean, I can play, I can keep a beat and I can put in some fills. I'm not a super fantastic drummer, but enough that I could jam with a band. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by the time we get to Little Voice, we we had we had other instruments on stage, uh, and we would kind of swap around on different ones depending on what, what song it was. Which uh, of course, anyone who's seen Five Year Mission, uh, they, it's kind know, of what we do. Yeah, yeah, we're always <laughs> we're always trading around. Yeah, and Little Voice was the precursor to Five Year Mission. Yeah, right. That yeah. was the the last step before. 
Yep. Before we became what we are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, uh, you met me when I, when I was in little voice and yeah, let's it, talk about that. Well, talk about how we met. <laughs> well, uh, I know we've, we've told the story a few times, but uh, we may, yeah, I, the, I'm, I'm sure the abbreviated we can, version. We can do it abbreviated. Um, we were playing a 4th of July show at what was the name of that place? It had monkey in the title or something, right? The ugly monkey. Was it the ugly monkey? Yeah. Downtown Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we were playing the ugly monkey. It was like an all day, like 4th of July music. Yeah. It started festival at noon or something. And yeah. Went till started at noon, went, went to like 3am or something. Yeah. And there were like, 30 bands or there was a lot uh, of bands in, and there were there were two stages there was an outside yeah. stage and an inside stage yep. uh little voice was the first band <laughs> at noon, outside outside <laughs> and in july yeah in, 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 in july on, on july 4th so uh we we showed up we played we you know we we played our hearts out for for the sound guy uh and i think <laughs> no I think, there were some people uh, there and and uh i think james young was there right yeah yeah he was and th there wasn't a huge crowd but it was i mean there were people there to to hear well, you i think when, it was you know the the lunch crowd was there <laughs> when when we first started playing it was literally just the sound guy and us uh oh really uh, yeah a few people showed up <laughs> as we were playing and uh and yeah and then, i wandered out there about mid-set i think yeah 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 then then you showed up and you and i had had spoken a few times on yeah. uh imn yeah and, and um indiemusic.net yeah which was yeah. a for all the kids out there that was a message board yeah which was kind of the precursor to social, social media. media yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, you and I kind of had talked a couple times on there. Uh, you donated to help me fix my my broken window. Yeah, somebody um, busted your van window in. Yep. Uh, they got through you like five bucks or something. Yep. <laughs> you you showed up, and I don't even I don't even I have no idea what songs we we played or whatever. I'm sure that all I was... remember was the one. Yep. <laughs> you played uh, Xanadu. Yep. So we and little did you know that. I was a longtime Xanadu fan of the movie and the music. And yep. you started playing that. And I was like, Oh my God, I know you gotta be kidding me. Well, uh, we, we started playing the song and she sang the first line and I hear from across, uh, the, the room or whatever I hear. Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Yep. And then you came up and talked to us afterwards because I did because you liked us doing Xanadu so much and yep. you, you and I started talking about it and we're still talking today about almost 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think, uh, did you, you already knew Patrick, didn't you? Or did yes. You, uh, around so. that, around that time we met a lot of bands and played, we were kind of starting to play around town. We played the Mel uh, melody and, and, you know, we played Radio Radio and a few other places. And one of those shows we played with the Shakeups, which, uh, as everyone knows, is Patrick's uh, other band that he plays with all the time. Uh, one of his other bands. Um, and the, the Shakeups today is not the same Shakeups that I'm talking about. Uh, no. it, it was a completely different band. The only person who's the same is Patrick. Um, even yeah. the, They don't even play the music that they used to play back then. Um, 
Well, actually, Ed. Ed is in the shakeups now again, and Ed was yeah. in the band at the time. So Patrick and Ed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we played with the shakeups, and of course they they were like, "You guys are great. We love it. You're awesome." And and of course, yeah, we we liked their music, and we started talking to them. And that was at the time that Patrick had Bubba's Bowling. Yeah. Right. And, and he invited us to play a show there, so we went and played with the shakeups at Bubba's Bowling, uh, and then we just kind of started hanging out on and off. Uh, with him and and his wife at the time, Kathy, mm-hmm. and and we just kind of got to know them and the shakeups. Yeah. So we played a lot of shows with them, uh, and uh, we have a lot of a lot. Patrick and I have a lot of memories from that time. Like yeah. it, it was kind of cool, fun, just being friends in in uh, rival bands. I actually knew Patrick as well because I ran an open mic night at a uh, a bar called it was called PS O'Rourke's it's the bar's still there but it's called something different I don't know what it is anymore I I remember that title or that yeah name. and that's where I met the guys in Rebuilt which was the band that I was playing in but I ran an open mic night there and Patrick and Kathy would come in and play every once in a while so I had I had met Patrick before and you had met Patrick prior to us meeting each other. <laughs> so we had three fifths of five year mission kind of sneakily meeting each other before it was even close to being formed. Yep. So let's talk about that. You and I, and a guy named Rob had mm-hmm. gotten together and created this idea. And if anybody wants to hear more like a detailed story about this, we had did an entire podcast about it. Yeah. Uh, about the band collective. Yeah, any band collective. I mean, long story short, it, we were creating uh, shows where bands that just needed exposure and and later on artists as well. And we just have shows and, and we kind of facilitated those things. But that's where we met Noah. Yep. And um, so Noah and Mike and I were, were all in this band collective. And Noah, of course, was playing in Eisenhower Field Day at the time. But at some and, point, and you, you were in rebuilt, and I was in rebuilt. And at some point, and a, a little bit later, I was in, I was playing in Dorsey as well. Right. But at some point, Mike and Noah started hanging out a little bit more. <laughs> and well, why don't you, what well, you don't have to tell the, you know, the weird sure. story. Yeah. We, 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 we've told we've, it plenty of times. We've done that before. But uh, let's just, the band collective, we would have meetings and various people would show up. Uh, from all different bands. Sometimes some wouldn't be there. Sometimes a lot would be there. Uh, one night it ended up just Noah and I were the only two people who showed up. And yeah, we just sat there and talked about nerdy stuff all night. He told me about yeah. his, his action figure collection. I told him about my, <laughs> all the nerdy stuff I love and, my obsession with, with sci-fi and Star Trek. And then I told him about the idea that I had for five-year mission. And he thought it was an awesome idea and asked if he could be, if we could do it together. And, or maybe I asked him, I can't really remember. Um, yeah. And, well, uh, and I always, I always tell the story about when, when I became part of this, but Let's hear it from your perspective, because I think I always tell it, but you don't. And I'm interested to hear what you uh, have to say about this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Noah was like, yeah, yeah, I want to I want to do this. And so my, the, the original idea was that we were just going to write 
and record songs on, about episodes. Uh, it was just going to be a recording project. I was thinking it would be something like a ween. Uh, okay. You know, where yeah. the, you know, the songs, it didn't matter what genre or style or whatever, you know, it was just like whatever we felt like writing for an episode, we would write it. And it would just be like the two of us. Uh, because uh, my friend Alan that I mentioned earlier, uh, the bass player from uh -huh. Lafayette, he and I really connected. And after, even after Broken Up had ended and it was just, and I was in Little Voice, he and I continued to hang out on a daily basis and we would stay up late at night and like write songs and record. And it was just like the two of us. And I would usually play the drums and then we would record various guitar and bass parts together. And we just wrote these songs and we had this whole like album or two's worth of songs that we had done. And I, I had so much fun doing that. And I liked, really liked Noah and I liked his style. And he reminded me a lot of Alan with just how he acts and, yeah. his his humor so we really connected noah and i and so i thought hey this is this is a guy that would be perfect for doing this duo he loves you know sci-fi and he likes star trek and and he's a good songwriter and so in my mind it was just going to be the two of us <laughs> and 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 that would be it and we would you know we I, I would record drums or we use the drum machine or whatever and we just like make a bunch of ridiculous songs up so and then i came uh, along and ruined it yeah, we so we were talking about it at one of the collective meetings. Yeah. And you overheard it and yep. you're like, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I as I recall, I, I said, Hey, um, can I just write a couple and just send them to you and see what you think? And you're like, oh, sure. <laughs> Why not? I, I I think for for a very brief time, like maybe a day or a week or something there, in in the back of my mind at least, I was like, damn it, because <laughs> you know I imagine I, I imagine me writing yeah. every one of these songs, and then I like opened it up to well, Noah can write songs with me, and now it's yeah. three of us writing songs, like. <laughs> You know, my my can my contribution was shrinking more and more with like each band member. <laughs> well, and then and then you know Patrick was in California and he moved back into town and yep. and you know and so we said hey you know I I I think you just asked him didn't you? Well, he and I originally were had talked about doing something together before he moved and then he had yeah, moved, okay. he moved back and I think it was around the same time that you were interested. And yeah. I think I had already maybe mentioned it to him as well. And, and so then it just, then it was just the four of us. Like, yeah. like suddenly we were all four doing it. Right. And then we, we played around in like your living room for a while. And yeah, and I, I distinctly remember being in your living room on, on your couch and having all these like papers spread out around me with <laughs> lyrics and stuff and us, you know, just kind of banging around and I can't, I think it, we were, uh, we had moved into Noah's house. I mean, everything's set up there. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started, we were like, you know well, what? No, Noah had his whole like living room area yeah. set up for Eisenhower Field Day. Right. That's right. So, so the, we just figured, let's see, let's just get a drummer in here. And, yeah, you know, maybe we can, you know, do some full band stuff. And we auditioned a couple and we found Andy and that that was it. And it's funny. It turned out that Andy had been on IMN. 
Yeah. Like we knew who he was. Like, like yeah, like conversing with us on occasion. And you know, he just yeah. he was just, and he had played in bands who share the stage with like the shakeups and right and rebuild. And so like we had I think I was the only one who really hadn't crossed paths with him. There weren't many degrees of separation between us before we all got together. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that before the Star Trek band, you had thought about doing like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. If you hadn't, <clears throat> what why, what made you choose Star Trek over, over that or anything else? So when I was thinking of doing the Buffy band, this was, this was the very early 2000s, probably. Yeah. I mean, Buffy would, probably had just ended, like it's probably 2004, 2005. Okay. Um, and and Patrick was still in town before he moved to California and he loved Buffy and we talked about it all the time. And I was like, Hey, it'd be cool to just like write songs about episodes of Buffy. And <laughs> we supposedly he wrote like one or two songs that he still has like in his repertoire. Well, he, he had that. Joss Whedon is your master yep. ukulele song too. Uh, he moved to California. Erica and I had Ruby. Um, yeah. And I opened up Hero House. So a lot of things distracted from from doing that that project. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the, the change in theme. All right. So let's jump back in time again. Uh, <laughs> so when I was a teenager, uh, yeah. one of my friends that I went to high school with, his name was Randy Stahl. And his dad was like a hippie who uh, – he was like a hippie in the 60s and 70s. And, uh, and he was really cool. Um, but he had the entire original series on VHS. Okay. And uh, – Another large collection, much like the tapes of the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> a, a, a larger collection yeah. phys physically. Yeah, uh, for sure. You can only fit so many episodes on one of those VHS tapes. <laughs> well, the, these were the actual like official ones, the ones that had like two episodes per per, per tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they had those on beta as well. So we 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 started watching them as a joke. Uh, we, uh -huh. we were like, oh my god, look, it's that cheesy show. Let, <laughs> let's watch it. And we we put it in, and uh, the first one was the Corb Might Maneuver. And, okay. That's an interesting uh, one to start with. Yeah. Well, the tapes were uh the uh the episode order on the tapes was production order. Yeah, okay. So that makes sense. Corb might maneuver was the first one and we were making fun of it. It is is ridiculous. But there's also yeah. something very entertaining and yeah. campy about it. So we you know, we watched that, then we'd watch another one. And then we watched another one and then it, it turned into this thing where once or twice a week, we'd all go hang out at Randy's house and we'd watch like an episode or two of Star Trek, just like for fun. Like yeah. we weren't, we weren't like getting super into it. Um, also around that same time, uh, actually this would have been, this would have been like a couple of years before that. Uh, I was still pretty young at this point, like 11 or 12. Uh, I remember sneaking downstairs one night and my sister was watching something on tv and i like yeah i was on the steps like just watching it from behind no one knew that i was there watching it and she was watching it it had these these two identical androids uh -huh. and 
it was just this weird thing and i just i was just mesmerized uh it, it was the episode brothers uh okay. from tng okay and, with, with data and lore yeah and uh i remember i remember that i think that was probably the first star trek i ever watched ever um i had no idea what it was or what was going on yeah uh, but anyway um so for the next few years I appreciated Star Trek and my friends and I joked around and made fun of it. Uh, but I didn't get super into it. I did kind of start getting into TNG in the later years and watched a lot of the episodes from the last few seasons. I watched a lot of Voyager when it was on, but I didn't watch everything. I uh, never watched any Deep Space Nine. That show was trash. <laughs> Why are they on a space station? They're supposed to be exploring space. I don't right. wanna I don't wanna watch the the mall in space uh, and, it, and and it's all soap opera drama i need action i need adventure so yeah. anyway uh well, you watch... just gotta wait till those final <laughs> seasons man uh just uh, just sure. get to season four then it gets sure really good. sure 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 uh so i didn't watch any d space nine um and then enterprise when it started uh i watched the first like five episodes or so, but I bailed because I just wasn't into it. Yeah. And that was it. Like I did, that was, you know, that's my, my whole like experience with Star Trek up to that point was, was, eh, it's this cheesy sci-fi show that has yeah. a few different ones that, you know, they're, they're kind of silly. TNG's okay. So, <laughs> And I went to yeah, I went on. to I went to the theater and saw the 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 TNG movies. Suffice it to say, your love for Star Trek was a slow burn. It, yes, this is up to the beginning of two thousands. Enterprise started in two thousand one, so that's that's where we're at yeah. in my in my uh, my timeline. Your timeline. <laughs> and uh, like I said, after that, around you know two thousand three two thousand four is when Patrick and I were talking about doing Buffy. Okay. I was working at at uh, FedEx office uh, -huh. uh this is when we had oh yeah yeah this was uh right before right around the time that right before the band collective started i just call it fedex office because that's what it is now and that's what people it know. is now yeah uh, but yeah, kinko's right. i worked at kinko's which is a much cooler name yeah and uh, <laughs> kinko's mike's kinko's was where all his band friends went to get flyers. Yep. Like, hey, hey, Mike, can you get you? Can you print me off like fifty flyers? Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure. Here's nope. two hundred. That'll be a dollar. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so it was right around this time that uh, that that Star Trek was being shown on. Uh, there was a a, a a cable channel. I think it was called G Four. Yeah, G Four. And they they would show the original series. And they had in the like a little box, yeah, and they yeah. had like they, they information had, like, about like, it. Like, yeah, yeah, the little, the little. Uh, actually, Michael Okuda is the one who wrote all those little. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I had no idea. Yeah, there are all these like little facts and and things. it was cool. Yeah, and and, and but it also had a little chat room uh -huh. on the side of the screen where people would chat about yeah. whatever. Like, and I was just like. It was a neat idea. I, yeah, I, and so I started just watching that just for fun, and I started like learning all of these inside details and whatever about the the characters and the show and stuff. That's where um, G Four was like a game gamer channel network. That was um, Olivia Munn rose to fame 
on yeah. G4, yeah. as I recall. So uh, I started really enjoying it, but but it, sometimes it would be on while I was at work. And so I started to DVR the episodes that I was missing because I was enjoying watching it so much. Yeah. And then I found also at that exact same time, I think it was on Spike TV, uh-huh. uh, they were showing The Next Generation. Mm. And uh, they would show it was like two or four episodes a day. And so I started to watch that because I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying the Star Trek. And I remember watching yeah. Next Gen. I'll watch that, too. And I started watching it and I just catch whatever episodes were on that day. And yeah. then I, I started like, you know, I, I like I had to go to work and I'm like, I don't want to I want to see the rest of this episode. <laughs> so I would I would like DVR the rest of it. And then and then I would like see what episode was on next that I was while I was at work. And I'm like, well, I want to see that too. So I DVR that one. So I set, set my yeah. DV, DVR to record all the Star Trek next gens and all the Star Trek TOS <laughs> on the two different channels. And, and then, uh, and it got to the point where I had like, I had like 30 episodes of Star Trek on my DVR. They had to catch up on. <laughs> so I was like, kind of, kind of burned through those. And, uh, and I was really enjoying it. Uh, even more than I did back when it you know when it was first on or whatever. Yeah, S- something yeah. about it was clicking with me, and I remember the episode. Uh, I got to the episode where Jordy LaForge is. This episode starts with him in a shuttlecraft. And he's on his way to some some kind of conference, and uh, a Romulan warbird shows up, and they kidnap him, and and I remember. Uh, seeing the beginning of that episode and I had to leave for work and I'm like, man, this is, this is so good. Like I'm, yeah. I'm I, I love this show. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch every episode of next generation. Like that was the, the day I yeah. was like, I am going to watch, <laughs> I'm going to watch all of them. And so then like I, I, I printed out at work, uh, I printed out a list of of the all the episodes of Next Gen and and the broadcast order, and to make sure that I don't miss any. Yeah. And then I started watching them, and like they they would show so many of them that they they kept just like uh, yeah, you know when they got to the end they would just start it over. So you know I, it wasn't hard for me to like just jump in and and then see the whole thing. I, I remember a time when syndicated Star Trek was everywhere. It was. It was like marathoned on yeah. every other channel. Yeah, and you could, there was always Star Trek to watch, especially later at night. So then on Spike TV, they started showing. They'd show like two episodes of Next Gen, but then they'd also show two episodes of D Space Nine. Okay. And I I had made my way through Next Gen, and and I was like, man, I and, and I'd been I'd been watching the TOS episodes on G Four, uh-huh. and I'm like, man, I love Star Trek. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, do I really want to watch Deep Space Nine though? Uh, uh, fine, I'll give it a try. And yeah. so uh, I started with the, you know, the, the I caught it right when it first episode. So I started watching it. And it wasn't long before it really grew on me. And I'm like, you know, Deep Space Nine is pretty cool. And, yeah. and so I'm like, and I watched probably a one or two seasons of that. And then that was when I, I declared, I'm like, I am going to watch 
every episode <laughs> of Star Trek. Oh boy. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, all, all my free time, I'm sitting at home watching Star Trek, um, yeah. you know, instead of like actually living. We've my all life. been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've, well, except for Noah. <laughs> uh, except for Noah. Um, <laughs> So I, I burn through all the D Space Nines, and, and and I and I print out, uh, I print out little lists, uh, little sheets that listed every episode of each series, and I just made sure like I was watching everything. Uh, I watched all the D Space Nines, and then uh, Voyager wasn't airing on anything, so I was like, "What am I gonna do?" And I'm like, "You know what? <laughs> I love Star Trek. I'm gonna order the DVDs." So, <laughs> so I, uh, the first series I actually ordered the DVDs was Voyager because I couldn't watch it anywhere because he hadn't seen it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd seen episodes back in the day. Yeah, you know, but uh, and I watched. I would say I probably watched about half of the episodes of Voyager when they aired. So okay. uh, I got the DVDs of Voyager and I watched all of Voyager. And uh, the only thing I had left was Enterprise, and I was like, "Man, uh, Enterprise! I remember watching some of that. It was real bad." I don't want to watch it. And then but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch all of Star Trek. It's my duty. It's my mission. So, uh, and, and you then had, you had, you had faith in the heart. Yeah. Uh, you had faith of the heart. Yeah. Well, not, not yet. I didn't have faith of the heart yet. <laughs> uh, so, uh, luckily. You just didn't know it. You did. At, you just didn't know it yet. At, at this point, they, they started showing the reruns of Enterprise on sci-fi. Uh-huh. And so I was able to watch that entire series on sci-fi uh, okay. by DVRing it. Uh, so I watched okay. that, that whole series. Um, and by the end of that series, I most certainly had faith of the heart. <laughs> and and uh, It's it amazing was, how that song grows on you. It, it really does. I, because I, I when I first heard, I was like, oh, my God, oh, it's, why? It's the, it's the worst. But I cannot. And then by, you know. Uh, several episodes in you're like oh yeah i, I gotta watch the yeah. intro uh, well uh, the the visual with yeah. the with the the song and the lyrics really works yeah it does and i i i, I understand people don't like the song or whatever but like how can that not g grab you like it's yeah. It, it, yeah it's so good um so uh, I, I do remember it was around when I was watching the sixth season, I think, of Deep Space Nine, when it is like in the heart of the Dominion War. Uh -huh. And and episodes are all starting to bleed into each other, and everything is just really, really good. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I should write songs about this. Oh. And I, I was like, maybe I should take that Buffy idea and apply it to Star Trek. I mean, Buffy only has seven seasons. Star Trek has like seventeen or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All, they have. They at that point they had about thirty seasons. That's um, a lot. You know, you had the idea. You got all of us into it, but your original idea was just you and Noah, or just you and one other person. Uh huh. Um, you know, you mentioned that when I first started insinuating myself into the whole project <laughs> for a couple of days. You're just like, Oh man, I just wanted this to be, do you ever, um, did you ever, aside from that initial, uh, that initial part, you know, the initial time period where you were unsure of what was happening, do you ever regret the direction that it took and wonder what would have happened if it would have just been this little project where it was you and Noah 
focusing purely on on the music and just kind of doing that project my life would be very different right now if that's true if uh if we had just stayed the two of us <laughs> and focused on that little project yeah uh i i certainly don't have any regrets uh and uh, my the period where i was unsure was very short and very mild like i you know, I think it's just you you get an idea of what something's going to be and then it starts going a different way and you have to yeah. reassess. Yeah. So so once things kind of evolved and you saw, you know, Andy was in the band and he books us our first gig and things kind of start trending in a direction that were that's wildly different from what you originally conceived. What was it like for you to realize what was happening and where we were going and, and kind of see that happening and not being not, not that you weren't able to do anything about it, but it was kind of unbidden and it just kind of came out of nowhere. And then next thing we know, we were going down this different path. What was that like for you to, to see that and kind of recognize what was happening in the previous bands? Uh, usually if, when we played somewhere, you had like your, your three or four friends that showed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so many times, we played a place and it was literally just like whoever's running the place and like the three <laughs> people that came with us. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember one time little voice playing at the melody Inn, and it was, it was Dave Brown, Dave and Rob actually were both there. And, yeah. and then like Dave the, and Rob being the gentlemen that uh, keep the place running. Yeah. The owners yeah. Uh, to some of the greatest guys that support local music, yeah. um in indianapolis uh but they were there and uh and like the three people who came with us were there and there was nobody else there and in there i and i i remember uh erica made some joke from the stage about it mm-hmm. uh like a like a negative like you know or whatever and dave like yelled out something and i can't remember what he said but it was basically saying it doesn't matter because you know, you're here and we want to hear it and you guys yeah. are great. And, you know, and I just remember hearing that from Dave and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's high praise because the people that bring you into play want to make money. I mean, that's the idea. They bring people into play and they want you to bring people in to see them because they make money off of that. So if the people who hire you, are like, you know what, we're just, I, nobody's here, but we're happy to have you here because we like you. That's that's a big deal. Um, but that that was the kind of experience I was used to. Of course, there were a few shows here and there, uh, mainly in Little Voice, where there were bigger crowds. Uh, yeah. one, one of them being that time we played Halloween at the Mel. That was a great night. So anyway, my point is that uh, once we were in five-year mission and we started playing and a lot of people were showing up and, yeah. and and like the fan base was growing online. It was definitely a little surreal. Uh, yeah. Like I, I was like, Oh, so this is what it's like when people actually appreciate your band. Actually show up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I remember playing at um, the Murat in the, in the basement. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was, you know, we were opening for proto men and I just remember getting up there and we were just the opening band. And I mean, proto proto men are national. I'd heard of them, but it's not like they were yeah, some band you'd see on MTV. 
and you know i'm dating myself there but you know what i mean it, it's they weren't like that but i mean the place was packed yeah and it was just <laughs> we would play shows like that where it's just you know wall-to-wall people and it's just it is a little surreal surreal but it's a whole lot of fun well so sure. when you, you you asked me earlier yeah uh, about when when i was a kid if i dreamed of being a musician and i talked about yeah playing like arenas and being on mtv and all that um and by the time I was in Little Voice, I, of course, came to terms with the idea that, well, we're a local band. We're only going to achieve so much and we're yeah. doing it because we love it. You know, I don't expect to be like, you know, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or anything. <laughs> um, then, then you know, and like I never thought, you know, like I knew of the Marah and I had seen bands there, but I'm like, you know, I'm never yeah. going to play the Marah. Yeah. You know, no, no one's ever going to fly my band to Vegas. Like this is not, you know, <laughs> right. the, you know the, this is a band where we're going to play at the Melody Inn. We're going to play radio, radio, and that's fine. You know, maybe we'll yeah. drive to Lafayette once a year. So, yeah. you know, with five-year mission, once we started doing stuff like that and playing like the Mirage, it was kind of mind-blowing. Like, oh, you know, we maybe I, maybe I haven't missed that window mm-hmm to do more with my music well even playing a venue like the mel when it's just packed with mm-hmm. people i mean when we played the show with p laner z it yeah. was ridiculous that was nuts. i mean it was just so packed and i mean that's not the only show we've had like that so yeah it is definitely a different experience Which, that was our second show do you realize that with p laner z yeah I don't know. I, I I didn't realize we, that. We 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 played our first show in September. Yeah. And then in October yeah. we played with P Lander Z. It was our second show. That's so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that, that, that was crazy. That was that, that that was an awesome night. Um I mean our first show was pretty big too, yeah. as I recall. Because I, I, I mean well, we were brand people, new and nobody knew what we were all about. People showed up in costume. Yeah. Like we weren't the only ones wearing uniforms. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So yeah. So what? I mean, kind of along these same lines. What? I, I know there's probably more than one, um, but just you know, pick one out. Your favorite band moment. Um, there are there are so many. Um, yeah. But I think playing Whoopi Goldberg on the stage with Jumpin' Jack Flash to yeah. like. 12,000 people or whatever there was a lot that was pretty incredible um that was pretty neat that was that was the a very surreal moment yeah i agree i I was i remember being on keys and just thinking don't mess up up." (laughs) i know the key part was not complicated but it was like you know playing um kirstie alley oh yeah, Kirstie Alley with the yeah, Cheers you, theme. Yeah, you had to play the Cheers thing Man, on the keyboard. Man, I played that over <laughs> and I played that so many times and I couldn't play it for you now. No way. But I remember just practicing that over and over again. I don't even remember. I have no memory of doing it. I don't remember if I messed it up totally or what, but I think I as I recall, I think I did okay. But uh yeah, that was scary. Or the but Kate Mulgrew we did the Orange is the New Black song. Yeah, yeah. That was another one that was, I was just like, man, I played that so many times <laughs> trying not to screw it up. It's a lot to learn. It is because we pack a lot of, I mean, within like, I think it was like three months where we 
had the time to figure out what the songs were. We had yeah, we had to learn like thirty songs. Yeah, there were we, so many, and uh, we did, we ended up not even using half of them. Yeah, it was nuts. What about your favorite venue? What's your favorite venue to play? That's that's hard. Um, I mean, if we're talking locally, it's it's got to be a tie between Radio Radio and the Melody Inn. Yeah, um, they, they both agree with you. they both have really really great things about them. Well, I think one of the most important things about both venues is that they've always been big supporters. Of Absolutely, yeah. The band, yeah. Um, and, and totally different atmospheres. Yeah, yeah. Um, and totally different sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely. So, to, just to kind of um, wrap everything up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a couple things. One, if Five Year Mission, say we just got done with year five and we released it and decided we're done. Mm -hmm. So five-year mission is, is at an end today? What do you do next? Uh, Ask you and Noah to start hostile 17. (laughs) 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 Andy can go find something else to do because he doesn't like Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Hostile 17. All right. Yeah. That's that was Spike's name when he was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah see, was, see, season four, Spike was captured by the initiative and they the referred to yeah. him as Hostile 17. Yeah. That's a pretty good name. I like that. Yeah. It's nice and vague. <laughs> yeah, right. This time it will be Kafka. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, I mean, uh, over the last what what has it been 13 years we started like the summer of 2009 um played our first show in september of 2010 yes um so for the past 13 years any regrets wow that's i mean not including fark (laughs) (laughs) there's there's two swipes at our drummer in like the last two minutes (laughs) Uh, it's an easy target. Um, <laughs> He'll never listen to this anyway. Just kidding. He, I think he does. He totally will. Uh, regrets. Uh, I've I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Um, yeah, I, I I did. Honestly, I can't really think of any actual regrets. Um, Anything that at the time felt like something that I regretted, mm-hmm. it, you know, you know how it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Every everything, everything that happens leads to something else that happens. So yeah. any anything that at the time I regretted that was even slightly related to this band, I don't regret now. Not even uh, Wolf in the Fold. Uh, you shut up. <laughs> Wolf in the Fold is in my top five songs. <laughs> with, uh, with, with, with Spock's brain being right on top. I knew that was coming in there too. Uh, no, I, I don't. I certainly don't regret any of the music. No, uh, not, nothing like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I love, I love the band. I, I love everything that we've done. I look forward to doing more. Yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, 
San Dimas High School football rules. <laughs> I think that's a good way to take it out. <laughs> five-year mission and do you like getting exclusive content you should head over to patreon right now and visit five-year mission because we've got all the exclusive content you're not getting on any other social media there's videos pictures sometimes we post news there before we post it anywhere else behind the scenes of us working on albums and podcasts and sometimes just pictures of us goofing off that we don't put anywhere else only on patreon and there are many options to choose from. You can be a lieutenant commander, you can be a captain, you can even be an admiral. Each of those comes with their own special perks. One of the perks of being an admiral is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Carol Jones, Jen Tift, Helen Lake, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Roxy and Becky, Debbie Renke, Madison and Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. So what are you waiting for? Go to Patreon slash 5-Year Mission right now. That's the number 5-Year Mission. And sign up. It's that easy. Fansets.com is your home for all things pop culture pin related. Right now, featured right there on the Fansets homepage is a super fancy enamel pin version of the Tom Paris plate featured in Lower Decks. And who wouldn't want that? I know I do. But that's not all. You can also find great pins like wearable magnetic deltas from the various shows, the Women of Trek pins with Raffi from Star Trek Picard now available, and a very cool pin featuring friend of the band Doug Jones on the left side and the character he portrays, Captain Saru, on the right. And let's not forget the Fandanglers that allow you not only to display your pin on a keychain, but also say Fandangler to all your friends. And you know what? Go ahead and enter Trek Geeks at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's T-R-E-K-G-E-E-K-S. All caps, no spaces. Why? Because we like you, that's why. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank Fansets for sponsoring every single episode of Five Year Mission, the podcast. Now go get yourself some pins. Hey, man! Thanks for having me. It's been awesome being here tonight. I I cannot I cannot even express how much fun it's been going over the history of my life and the band and talking to you, my good friend Chris. This has been fantastic. Hey man, we'd love to have you back sometime. We'd love it. It'd be great. That's that's my uh we'll keep in touch. That's my celebrity voice. Yeah, I know I like that. <laughs> all right. Um that's it. That's all I got. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> listening to five-year mission the podcast if anyone is interested in listening to more of our music 
Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five Year Mission and we will be the first thing that pops up. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. You can also find us at fiveyearmission.net and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Five Year Mission, the podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This has been a classic Rittenhouse production. Uh-huh.